Welcome to the Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are proudly sponsored by Tea Pigs. Nothing quite beats sitting down with your mates to have a good chat over a cuppa. Whether your brew of choice is an English breakfast, an Earl Grey or something herbal, Tea Pigs have got you well and truly covered. My go-to is definitely the lemon and ginger. I love the Earl Grey, but I also love the fancy pants herbal ones they do as well. Ooh. A few of the things we love about tea pigs are that they only use the best quality tea leaves, herbs and spices in their blends. Their tea packaging is all plant-based and plastic-free and they are a proud bee corporation and give back to tea-growing communities in Rwanda through on-pack donations. Pretty awesome, huh? Mm-hmm. So if you've been meaning to give them a try, now is the time, as they are offering you 20% off at tpigs.co.uk with the code GIRLGANG20. Go ahead and treat yourself, and you can thank us later. Go on, get yourself a brew. Here is part two of our interview with Reese and Layla from the Heavy Mental podcast. I said to them before they even scanned me, I was like, I think I've seen something on my last scan picture. So I am prepared for bad news. So please don't like beat around the bush. Just tell me. And it was all very quiet. And then she went and got someone else to come oh, in. And, and, I and was, were you, was Reese? were you there, Reese, Or were you still not allowed in? No, I was in the car. Um, so when it, was this? June rings a bell. Yeah, June or July, I think. Um, okay. So yeah, no, Reese wasn't allowed in. And they said... Um, then they turned the screen around to me and they said, can you see this sack at the back of the baby's neck? And I was like, yes, I've been trying to tell everyone that it's there. And they said, can you see that it's got lines in it? And I was like, oh yeah, that's the nuchal fold. And they were like, no, this is something else. We think this is something called a cystic hygroma. And I was like, what the hell is that? I haven't read about that. And I've read everything on Google at this point. <laughs> um, and, and that's when they said, um, can you call your husband? We'd like to bring him in as well. So oh, yeah. How did you feel That, that must that have just been bleh. I was just like, I, I almost wanted to be like, no, I can't, I can't call him. I can't do anything. I actually just want to melt onto the floor. I'm not capable of going outside and finding phone signal and asking him to come here because there's something wrong. I just wish that he'd just been able to be there and I didn't have to go and hold it together while I was walking out past all the pregnant women and, oh. you know, having to do that. But I did. And, and I just said, oh, yeah, it's, it's not good news. I don't think they want you to come in as well. And then we had to wait in this room but there was a woman being taught how to breastfeed in there so we were waiting outside while she was there with her newborn and I was just like oh my god I just want to die right now Um, and and that's not even exaggeration is it when you when you have that kind of you just would just rather not exist it's not like you want to go home and kill yourself but it's just not not, like you just don't want to be anywhere do you you want to to cease to exist yeah yeah Yeah, that's exactly it and you just can't quite fathom it was like being in a I don't want to say a dream. It was more like a nightmare, but it was like, this isn't real. I was looking around the hospital walls as I was walking down thinking like, how is this happening again? How is something else happening like this? As you know, I'm sure you can relate to Laura with, uh, it it just feels like, why me? Why is this happening again? Um, It's not fair. It's It's not not fair. It's just, it's awful. It's awful. Fucking awful. Fucking atrocious. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and when you got that call from Layla Reese, what were you surprised or were you? I felt sick, and I remember frantically running because where I parked, because there's no, um, I don't think the, the we hadn't sussed out where the car park was, so we were parking out on the main road, and that hospital in Cardiff 
where the women's unit was, was quite a way like right at the back. So I had the call from you to come in and I was like, oh shit. Like I didn't know exactly. I knew it was bad news basically. Mm. So I just remember like quite frantically and anxiously bombing across, like running through the hospital to get to the women's unit. And obviously seeing you then and then being in that room it, it was like I know what you mean where's where that kind of your your body and brain goes into this kind of like I can't believe this doesn't feel real like yeah. this kind of um it's like an altered state isn't it yeah just yeah. going through the motions but you yeah and you keep moving and you keep like not like a robot that would be weird <laughs> um but you keep like you keep going don't you you stand up and you walk and you and you communicate and you talk and at the same time your mind's going how what how can why am i how is everything so normal with my body when everything is completely the world has fallen broken apart. yeah yeah yeah, and you're almost impressed with yourself for getting from one room to the next or, like you said, being able to hold a conversation and you're thinking, how am I doing this? But you are. Yeah, yeah. and you, you sort of split into two people one, and one's observing the other going, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe I'm talking and I can't believe I'm walking. And and the other one's just going, I, I just don't want to be, I just don't want to be anywhere anymore. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like proper, yeah. yeah horrible so so what happened so when you were both there they did they explain what had happened were they sure yeah so they went into a bit more detail about the cystic hygroma um and I did say to them I saw this on my first scan picture at 11 weeks so why wasn't it mentioned then and that was really brushed over she said are you sure you saw it and I was like yes I've had a week of crying myself to sleep and waking up at 3am bawling like Mm. I know I'm sure um, but they, she kind of brushed over that, didn't she? And was just like, well, you know, this is what it is. This, these are the things it can be linked to. Um, and, and she then explained the further tests that she said, you don't have to carry on with the pregnancy. And I was like, what? Like, I, because I just wasn't, I suppose I just wasn't expecting someone to say like, you can get off the train now if you want to. It's yeah. very like abrupt. I've just had this news confirmed. Um, but I suppose it's probably something they have to say, so you know you've got the option. Mm. Um, and then listed a load of tests, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll just have all of them." And, and listed the, you know, the risks with every test that you can obviously have a miscarriage from some of the tests. And I was like, "Well, you know, if this baby's going to be really unwell anywhere, I have to know." Um, yeah. So yeah, we we then went down that route, and it was just months, wasn't it? It was probably two months of waiting getting more and more pregnant feeling the baby start to move start to kick gender um getting results back and still only having tiny bits of the puzzle and yeah it it just took such a long time to get to the final um point where they gave us the news and then once we once we knew what was wrong it was like yeah okay when we won't carry on because I was like I cannot get any more pregnant than this like I had I had a really big bump for four months Um, and what were you telling people family and friends did they know what was going on yeah so um it was bizarre because obviously we weren't seeing anyone because it was lockdown so um yeah. loads of people like I didn't have to deal with going into work and stuff um I was just working remotely so I was zooming people and they had no idea that I had this bump under the under the camera um apart from my boss who was amazing um throughout the whole thing my, my manager um but 
friends and family they kind of knew what was going on um there were some people that I didn't tell unless they text me to say how are you and then I was like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie but I also didn't feel like I wanted to like broadcast it because the news was changing constantly and we had moments where we thought it's gonna be okay and we had moments where we thought even if he's really ill maybe we can deal with it and so we didn't want to tell anyone that there was any kind of definitive um decision and the minute you tell someone what's going on they want to know what the outcome is going to be well are you going to have the baby and you don't know yeah so yeah we kind of just kept it close close friends and family didn't we really yeah um I I I think that um we almost I can't remember which way around but we felt like almost excited at that very first instance where we knew there was a heartbeat and I think Mm. we had told close friends and family at that point like we mm. told our mums then I remember um so yeah I think there was a, there was like a close kind of circle of people who knew who were being kept updated throughout the process of I, I see uh, going back and forth and, mm. and speaking to consultants and 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 all of that kind of kind of stuff to um and I what after that point after that initial point when they confirmed that something was wrong, we had to go to fetal medicine. Um, we were there, I was then allowed in to the consultations, which was awesome. Yeah, they had me. to, they had to yeah. check a few times, didn't they? But they, they were really good. And they were like, right, come on, Reese, let's sneak you in. Yeah, because I, 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 I felt like, right, my job here is to intent, like attentively and intensely listen Mm-hmm. and ask all of the questions yeah. that I can, and retain all the information yeah because I couldn't remember anything people yeah. were saying yes and it was just going in and out and that's where I desperately needed Reese to be able to be there to remember things and relay things to me when we walked out of there so what was the information that you were given and like before you made your final decision um so we were told we had a I can't remember all the names of the tests now, but the final one that we had that gave us a result was called uh, CVS. I can't quite, I can't quite remember. They put a needle all. through your belly the and into the, um, they take... Amniotic sac? Is that yeah, they that take one? fluid from the amniotic sac. Um, and the needle is massive. It's yeah. horrible when you see it coming. Um, and they, they then they send off that tissue or that um that fluid and they test it for downs edwards patals and turners okay um so they were like if it's one of those four you will find out within a week or two and if it's not we need the tissue to grow a bit more in the lab so it will be another two weeks on from that so in some ways we were like please let it be one of those ones so that yeah, we just find yeah. Out God. and that that must be a head fuck in itself please let it be one of these horrendous conditions yeah. Yeah, yeah praying for that because we, we know there's something wrong um and the there was also the head fuck that the a cystic hygroma can exist not attached to any genetic conditions so they can just grow and they're just huge tumors that grow usually on the baby's back of the neck um or face and they can really restrict breathing and um sometimes they're small but quite often they're huge and their sort of whole chin and lower part of the face is really big and they keep growing and they're kind of inoperable because they just come back um and there was a little girl that I'd found on Instagram who had one and she was just beautiful and so I but she had didn't have anything else attached to it it was just the I say just the cystic chiroma as if it's a small thing it's a massive thing 
Um, but I was looking at her mum's Instagram every day and getting hope from that, thinking, okay, maybe it's manageable if it is just yeah. a hygroma. Um, but so it came back as clear for all of those four. And then I was thinking, well, what if it, it what if we are one of those bizarre cases where the cystic hygroma just goes away and they never know why it was there and the baby's actually healthy? Or, you know, what if it is a cystic hygroma and it's not attached to anything else? And so I suppose then a bit of hope started to creep in because you have so much time to think about things. Yeah. Um, and then they they said they'd call us back in the, in the next two weeks if they'd found anything. But she said, you know, we test for like 75 different genetic disorders, but there's like 4 million. Yeah. So, there's, you know, there's loads that wouldn't get picked up. So if you do, if we don't pick anything up, it doesn't mean you're having a healthy baby. Um, so it's kind of a gamble. God, sounds exhausting. Baby so exhausting and all of this as well like you're not it's not like you can pause your pregnancy and no. then deal with everything mm. and then be like oh okay well now we will tear from our or now we will continue mm. the pregnancy now that we've got everything like all the time you're getting more pregnant yeah it's like it must have been so it's Laura says like exhausting so but challenging how pregnant were you at this point um so I think at this point I was about 18 weeks or okay. probably about 17 weeks when when we got the all clear for those four um and then but then we were like okay we'll wait for another two weeks and I was thinking I'm getting dangerously close to not being able to make a decision yeah. um, I think the cutoff is 24 weeks um unless your life is at risk or the baby's life is at risk I think it's I think in some circumstances it's different but I was thinking right I'm getting quite close to not mm. being make a decision anymore um and eventually they the genetics counsellor, we had genetic counselling as well, um, went through all of our history and stuff. And they came back and they said that they had found something. And I was really surprised because I was thinking they're not going to find anything. We're not going to have any answers. And they'd found a micro duplication in one of the chromosomes, um, which obviously meant nothing to either of us. Didn't understand what that meant. Um, and they kind of said, unfortunately we don't know a lot about this particular thing it's incredibly rare but here's a list of things that could be wrong with your baby and the list was so long and we weighed it up and we, we were thinking okay the baby could just be blind or the baby could just be deaf or the baby could just have learning difficulties just have a heart condition or it could be all of them and the, the, I kept thinking we would love that baby no matter what and we would give it everything and, and we mm -hmm. would adore him and so would everyone around him but what happens when I'm not here anymore and actually there's a 50 year old man who needs round the clock care and I'm not able to look after him like you can't just think of the gorgeous little baby you're gonna have yeah. no matter what they've got wrong with them you kind of have to think long term I, I'm always gonna have to look after this baby who will then grow into a man and when I'm not there who looks after him what quality of life will he have yeah um, there were just too many unanswered questions for, for both of us but if they'd said to us look we know this is what's wrong and this is exactly what it's going to look like for you we might have been able to come up with some kind of plan but mm. but it was so like oh it might be this or there could be this wrong oh also heart conditions and I was thinking I can't have a baby that's going to be rushed into open heart surgery straight away and no. just it was too much wasn't it and the cystic hygroma was growing oh, and the cystic hygroma was still growing so we so birth would have been really difficult because obviously the baby's like twice the size if they've got this huge tumor on them yeah um and, and just oh guys yeah 
I actually just realized I completely missed out a part of it where um, at 16 weeks I wanted to throw the towel in and I I said I want to have a termination now I can't bear this I can't get more pregnant I've I'd started right. the baby moving and I was like this is eating me alive I cannot do this anymore I just want to have a termination um, and it was booked and I went in and the consultant talked me out of it I had my bags packed everything um, oh wow what did they say to make you change your mind she just said, just hang on, like, wait, because even if, even if we can't do anything for this baby, finding out what's wrong with it might play a big part in your next pregnancy. Okay. Um, so she said, in, in a way, when she framed it like that, I thought, if I can't do it for this baby, I can do it for my future children. And that gave me that something that I could hold on to. And I did think like, yeah, if I can do this for my future children, then if I can't save this one, then I, I'll do it for my future babies. How do you feel now? Now, now you've, that it's all happened. Do you wish that you'd have had it done that day or? I think I'm, in some ways I'm, um, I'm sad that I I didn't stand up for myself more um, because I was just like, what the hell is going on? Okay. I won't have it. And then in other ways, I am glad that I did have those tests because if if we would have had a um a post-mortem done on him um to find out more anyway so if they'd come back with that news then we'd still have to be tested and stuff so I I don't know I I think I've come to terms with it that we Mm. did wait longer and I I had um amazing there was an amazing service called the junction in Cardiff which was um crisis pregnancy counseling um so I had that and it was completely free and she was saying to me, you know, you've got this extra time with your baby and this is precious time and it's all right to love him. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, that was something that I hadn't been comfortable with, the idea that I could love him, even if it was just, sorry, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't for long, mm-hmm. I could be a mum to him just for a few more weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice that, that someone was able to spin it, spin yeah. that on on its head for you. Yeah, that's so that you could in, not yeah. enjoy but appreciate that extra time. That's yeah. the gift that 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 counselor gave you yeah, for sure. to be able to feel at peace with with loving your baby, which you know you didn't know. Of course, you didn't know whether to love him or not. Yeah, and we when we speak to we've spoken to a lot of women who've had to make that horrible or couples that have had to make that horrible decision. And and a lot of them say that they're frightened of their baby. Yeah. Because they don't know quite what, what he or she is. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And that sounds yeah. like a, a strange thing to say, but of course it's frightening because your babies, you can't see them. And it's, that must be a really, really difficult concept to have. Yeah. Because you don't, you have no idea what they will, what they will look like. Yeah, yeah, and not knowing what he would look like, and um, I suppose this overshadowing feeling of of the fact that I had to make this decision. I yeah. we obviously had this his input. It was everyone, you know, it was a joint decision, but it really was me that had to sign the paperwork and say I was okay with what was going to happen. And so I, I was almost just like, I just want to get it over and done with quickly because I don't want to spend time thinking about whether I can morally live with what I'm about to do because you do you can't help. This is exactly what my counsellor said to me. You are going to love your baby anyway. You can't help it. So you may as well embrace this and, and spend this time loving him, but this precious time that you've got with him. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I, I spent 
that time before that, before I'd had that conversation with her, I spent the time praying that I would miscarry naturally. And so I yeah. didn't have to make the decision. It wouldn't be on me. I wouldn't have to sign the paperwork to say I was I wouldn't have to take the tablets. I wouldn't have to oh, do it. Oh, bless you. So... Yeah, to have the decision taken out of your hands. Yeah. I don't think I don't think there's anything worse that you can go through than that. It's just it must have just been We've always said that, haven't we? That yeah that baby loss is fucking horrendous, but to to have that added layer of guilt mm. is just just cruel, isn't it? Yeah, and you can't help but worry what people will think of you as well. Yeah, of course. Worry about the the stigma around this stuff, and and worry that people won't won't be able to see it like we did, and think, is it more cruel to have him and have mm. him a, a life of suffering than to stop him from ever having to know any pain? Yeah, uh, you know, you shouldn't have to justify it, but you, you feel like you do, don't you? Oh, absolutely. But- in our um in our support group that we have on Facebook, someone we we had a big talk about TFMR after one of our podcasts, and someone wrote the quote, and I just think it's the most perfect. It's um we took the pain, so our baby didn't have to. Yeah, and so when you went in, were you given options of what you could how how to how to do it or how to did you have to give birth or Yeah, I was too far along to um have like a, a dnc um so it i knew i would have to give birth um but again i was kind of up for it because i felt like i wanted to meet him and i wanted to honor the fact i had been pregnant and i kind of wanted to give birth and i, I wasn't expecting i kind of thought i'd go um sign the paperwork be given the tablet that would stop his heart um, but I thought I'd get to take it at home. So I was thinking that I'll take it home. I'll have some time. I'll say goodbye. I'll, you know, do do it in my own time. But they gave it to me and they were like, down the hatch. And I was just like, here, I have to take it here. And they were like, yeah, we, we have to see you take it, basically. Um, so I had to, I just took it with you and two doctors looking at me. And I just remember thinking, this isn't how it was supposed to be. I was supposed to have some time and I was supposed to do it on my own terms. And so I think and that again, just a little bit of a heads up on that would have been would have been great, wouldn't it? Just to a, to to tell you what the procedure was going to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, I felt him really kicking that night, which was like the worst thing that could possibly have happened. Yeah. I was really panicked. We were watching Tony, and I was like, "Reese, he's really kicking. What if he's in pain? What if what if he's hurting? Oh, I can't do anything." And I I remember thinking like he's dying and I've done this and, and he's kicking to be like, mom, what the hell? And, uh, but what well, I don't think it did happen then. Um, and then it was the next day. I think, I think I know exactly when he went because I was suddenly really, really, really tired. And I was like, I think I'm just going to have a nap. And I, had, I went for a nap and I woke up and I was like, he's gone. I know he's gone. And then I didn't feel a move again from then. So I, I think it was then. And I don't know how I knew. It was just something. I just knew that, that was it. And it felt quite peaceful that I'd just gone to sleep and he'd gone to sleep. Yeah. And I woke up. Then, then I was but I, I was so fortunate because I don't think every hospital has this. But in Cardiff, they've got a, a special suite for stillbirths and um, termination for medical reasons. Um, and luckily for me, there was no one else booked into it. So I was able to, to go in and it's called the snowdrop um, room. And it just means that everyone who goes into that room knows that there's someone in there who's grieving or about to go through something difficult. Oh, wouldn't it be amazing if every hospital had that? 
Yeah, mm. so it meant that even the people that were, um, you know, bringing me in tea and toast and things knew that it was a very yeah. sad situation and they weren't going to come and expect to see a newborn baby. Um, so I, I was checked into there and we we walked in and I that's when it hit me, when I opened the door to the room and was like, oh my God, I'm going to give birth in here in like a matter of hours. And then I, I got really upset and I just, it was all suddenly just so much. I was like, how has any of this happened? And all the lights were off and it just seemed, it, and it was very cold. The windows were all freezing. Oh, it, no, it was the air con. Oh, it's, the air con. it's the middle of summer and they turned the air con up, but it was, up, it was on for the whole hospital, wasn't it? So it was blasting and I had like hoodies on, blankets on. Um, but we had the most amazing midwives and they just, they just had, I mean, they saw me through the whole, the whole thing and it was bizarre, but the care that we had was outstanding and it made a terrible situation that tiny bit better. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, and it's so important, isn't it? It's not, it's, I think the difference in healthcare that you can have while going through something like you've been through is like being treated as a, as a number and being treated as a human. Yeah. And to be yeah. treated as a human in such an inhumane experience mm-hmm. that you, you know, that you had to, yeah. it must have just been, the, oh God, it, yeah, as yeah. you said, made it absolutely horrendous thing yeah. a little bit easier. It, it was. And what, like, Reese, how did you feel during this, this whole thing? Because I, I can just imagine. It was weird. But weird. There was times when we were even making jokes. And I know yeah. that sounds almost barbaric but no I get it I get it but um firstly I was off my tits on a cocktail (laughs) I was like using the gasinette pretending it was a cigar and stuff like Like in the mood (laughs) (laughs) was Reese like babe this is not the fucking time yeah yeah but you weren't on any drugs I was like "Ah." I was like Garen (laughs) oh I wish everyone could see that face that you just made I'm sure that I've heard that in certain traumatic situations, your body goes into this protective mode and it almost doesn't feel, things don't feel real and you kind of disassociate a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was quite disassociated. It just didn't yeah. feel like, I don't know, it was just bizarre. It was just a really horrible, sad, but then weird like experience at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it just very, very surreal. And even when I held him, I even when when he came out, she handed him to me. And even then I wasn't hysterical, I wasn't sobbing. I just wanted to look at him. And again, this almost like animal side of your brain kicks in that that's your baby and you just want to look at them. Um and again, I was on so much morphine that I think I I wasn't quite taking it in um completely, but we got to spend time with him and um, and you weren't sure if you wanted to hold him, were you? Because you weren't yeah. sure how you'd feel. And I was scared. I think yeah. just because, um, yeah, I, I remember being really anxious because I didn't want anything to go. I remember distinctly thinking that I didn't want anything to go wrong. I was worried about your health and safety mm. as well as yeah, the weird situation that was going on. So, yeah, I, I think. I was scared and, and I didn't know how I was going to feel until it kind of happened. And I, I think I said to you that I would make, I, I wanted to make a decision on the day as to what yeah. I did. And yeah. Also, I mean, it's an incredible, when you're going through it yourself, 
you're much more in control. You're not in control, but you're much more in control than when you're going through it as as a partner. So the pressure on you, Reese, to kind of be the one who's there and stable and not off your tits on morphine and this whole kind of, you you were so present in that situation. That must have been really difficult in itself to witness not only the person that you love most in the world going through this horrendous trauma whilst not really being quite with it Mm. and then witnessing the birth of your child as well. Must have just been so much to deal with mentally. Yeah, it, it it was when it actually when you did give birth. Then there was just a kind of I don't know. It was just a different. I felt I didn't feel feel scared or anxious anymore, and I wanted to see him. I had yeah. that that feeling as though I wanted to, and it was actually. It obviously wasn't a, a nice experience of the day, but it was like a kind of, I thought it was going to be this like intensely in the moment, intensely sad, um, kind of almost scary thing. Mm. But it actually wasn't like that. It was just like, it felt quite yeah. natural. Yeah. Almost to, 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 obviously you, you had held him and then I, looked at him and held him and, and it just all felt normal in that kind, moment. It was kind of like what you would do with a live birth. It was yeah. like half yeah. baby around. And and it's funny because I've I'd looked at pictures of um babies born at 20 weeks because I wanted to get my head around what he might look yeah. like, what sort of size, what colour his skin would be, that that sort of thing. Um and in the some of the pictures I came across the parents were smiling, holding the baby. Yeah. Why are you smiling? But when you're in the moment, you think this is the only photo I'm going to have of me holding my, well, technically second-born, I suppose, child. But and I was like, I'm, I wanted to smile, and I wanted to, put, you know, I had a bit me recently me holding the baby like you would if it was a live birth. It was yeah. bizarre, and I didn't think that I would want any. That's, that's so interesting because I've often thought that as well. Like we, I've seen a lot of pictures of of babies born. Um, sleeping or babies born and then and then have died and and their parents with them and this sort of smiling and I I just think I don't like how can you be smiling when you like in my instant not like how can you smile in that situation that's awful no, of you of but yeah. like I just don't know how people stop sobbing and you named him Snow is that right we didn't have a name for him because we found out something was wrong so early and giving a name didn't it didn't feel right mm. I, it's probably part of the trying to separate you know from it a little bit it's like yeah, of course. yeah. Like, you don't want to name them because then they're a person and then you're choosing to do something terrible it yeah feels like um but yeah because he was born in the snowdrop room and he would have been born in January which you know it's very cold snowy month but suddenly I was just like let's call him snow and um it just felt right because he 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 was kind of an angel baby really and that feels yeah. like an angelic little name um and it feels quite special and loads of people loads of people sent us stuff and so we've got snowdrops that have just started to come out now that people mm. have then and so the first time it snowed this year was really quite poignant and yeah I'm I'm glad that we called him that in the end yeah. And also that's something that you've got forever <coughs> like whenever you see snow and snowdrops and you can yeah you can have that as like a a private sort of personal thing to bring you comfort and think I think that sort of thing's really special 
Oh. I, lo- I loved the reasoning behind that when I when I heard it on one of your podcasts. Yeah, it was lovely. And, we, and so I think everyone's thought kind of received it well as a name, haven't mm. they? Um, because what do you, you know, I, I know some people do, of course, feel the need to um, name their babies from the second they're pregnant or, or name their babies even when they know something's wrong. It's everyone's different in, in that regard. Mm. And some people might think it's an odd choice, but for us, it just felt yeah. right. I think it's beautiful it's like ethereal and just yeah yeah really lovely so then so what what happens now for you guys how are you how are you doing we're okay we're um we're doing all right you just it's one of those things like like when someone dies you're just surprised how life just carries on and you just eventually get back into the swing of it the first the first couple of weeks the first week in particular was hell because obviously my body knew that I'd had a baby Mm -hmm. so I was waking up in the night panicked where's my baby I know I've given birth before my brain's caught up that that's not a baby um so the first the first week the nights were really hard at 7 50 every night we were lighting a candle for him because that's when he was born and if that was always around dinner time and every time we'd just be sitting down to eat and then I'd feel like I couldn't eat my dinner because I just felt sick and my body was just crying out for this baby um mm. but as my hormones calmed down my rationale started to sink in of reminding myself that this was right for us this was the right thing to do and um I think I think the thing I found hard was people not getting that I'd just given birth so not treating me perhaps as someone who had just given birth even like small things like going on walks and stuff I remember saying to our friends like need to slow down a bit guys I gave birth like a week ago and I think they weren't getting it because there was no baby to show yeah Um, but we we kind of got through it didn't we and there was lots of lows and for a long time it was really really hard and then it kind of started to get easier and I think we're we're in quite a good place now um feeling like we can try again which is a really scary yeah of course I'm probably as scared of getting a positive test as I am of getting a negative one um but yeah it's it's mad how you do just rebuild yourself after so if someone had told me I was going to go through this I'd be like that would finish me off but it hasn't I'm still here and I feel kind of normal now dare I say it do you think the fact that because I know that you are both massive advocates for, for mental health, do you think that your mental health awareness has helped you come to terms with things and perhaps deal with things more ably than someone who was not on that same wavelength? I, I think I think Layla in particular um, has a way of I haven't got the same gift, I, I should say, but able to really really intensely feel her emotions when they come up and whereas I I think that I do things to not necessarily feel how I'm feeling at that time Um, whereas you will like very much feel everything intensely as much as you need to feel it and very go through the motions honor your feelings in from moment to moment and that way you seem to really almost fast track the process of ex- all of the, all of that grief process and everything mm. in there because you so commit, I, I don't know, it's just natural for you to do that, to really intensely mm. feel 
the way you feel. I think I, I wanted to feel it all. Like I was mm. like, I know that I can't run away from my feelings. So I was like, let's let's get this all out. Let's do it properly. Really feel it. And yeah, read- that's amazing. I think that to have that that kind of presence of mind is incredible because I was definitely not. I was I was all about the drink. Honestly, anything I could do to get to get off my yeah. feelings yeah. and it just, it just pro- prolonged the agony because it yeah, was all coming back, back you know, bump, once, once I sobered up yeah <laughs> it does come back I felt weird about drinking for a while afterwards I was kind of like I suppose because it had been a bit longer I hadn't been able to drink for a few months and I was kind of like I don't want to drink because it really reminds me that I'm not pregnant anymore I really missed yeah. being pregnant I I, it was sad watching my body go back to normal and it was weird bit still being in maternity jeans for a couple of weeks afterwards and and thinking like part of me wants my body to just like snap back to how it was before yeah. as if it's never happened and another part of me doesn't want my bump to completely go. go because then he's gone completely yeah complete roller coaster but yeah I am someone who uh I, I will let myself go to the depths of hell but I can drag myself out quite quickly so it I think that did help me being very just open talked about it all the time you and know, how did you how did you struggle as a couple in your relationship at any point on this or were you sort of yeah, together to do I, would, I would say yeah but but um and no you know no shots fired because we've spoken about it very openly but but our coping, our ways of coping and um, perhaps how intensely we felt things were quite different, weren't they? Yeah, because you're different people. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, my looking back uh, now, uh, obviously we've had loads of discussions on this, like I can see how I went, but because that event happening, which felt like it was like out of control, like it was a kind of just circumstance that a, a very sad circumstance that was kind of beyond our control in, in yeah. a way. I then, having a background with eating disorders myself, I then went like hyper controlled and restrictive mm-hmm. and very regimented because that was that felt like safe to me to yeah uh, the, the whole orthorexia thing came back up for me. I was like, I can't have it. I can't have sugar. I can't have this. I can't have that. So it was all very like very controlling because of that and that's how I was it's almost as if I gave myself this obsession this control because Mm. of everything that was out of control as a a means to kind of maybe not have to think about things as well so it had that caused friction between us yeah we had we had fights I was like I'm fucking pissed off I want you to eat a pizza with me because I'm depressed and Mm. you were like no I'm having one salad leaf (laughs) (laughs) that would piss me off like any any time any day (laughs) trauma or no trauma (laughs) because I wanted Reese's grief to look the same as mine I wanted him to be howling in the middle of the night crying for our baby and when he wasn't I was kind of thinking like how are you okay how are you just like your mates or whatever but actually it's coming up maybe as intensely but in different ways for you and, and just because I don't struggle with food meant that I couldn't understand what was happening I just wanted to see him break down which sounds awful um because I don't want to see you in pain but I wanted to know I wasn't on my own because you're the yeah. person to feel like it's familiar isn't it it's comfort even though it's hellish it but to know that someone 
is feeling that the same does yeah. does give you comfort i'm not somebody that cries all that often and i'm an advocate for people crying and you know expressing their feelings but it doesn't it isn't something that comes naturally to me at yeah. all you can't it, it force isn't. it can you but at the same time and then i felt guilty for not for not crying and being upset but then now looking back i like i was in hell Mm. but, but my my own yeah. personal hell that mm. i i was it manifested in a slight in, in a different way for me and it was hard for me to communicate what was going on at that time because i didn't quite understand it myself you guys are so self-aware it's fantastic yeah <laughs> you can see why couples would really, really struggle and perhaps split up mm. over yeah. trauma that happens in their lives because it is when you look at some, like me and my husband dealt with with our loss really, really differently and, and I got annoyed with him from time to time, but mm. I'm quite self-aware as well. Yeah. And all the time, and I see a counsellor, like I towards that, over that period, I'd see her sort of once every other week. And she kept saying, you can't understand because you're not him. That's mm. the reason behind, mm. you know, you can't, don't beat yourself up, up about it, but yeah. don't beat him up about it either yeah. because yeah. it's no one's fault. You're different people. You deal with things in different ways. You yeah. can't expect people to feel the same as you do. Or even even things like you can't expect people to choose the same words as you would choose to describe things. And yeah, yeah. the whole kind of spectrum of stuff that you have to understand you are an individual when it comes to grief and trauma and loss and and everything and I think once you've got your head around that you can be a lot more forgiving and it can take a while to get your head around it like we had to have yeah. a conversation multiple times mm. and yeah. I, I was reading um I read a couple of books I read um Feathering the Empty Nest I know you've got her on in a in a couple of weeks on the podcast yeah 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 which will be amazing I'm really looking forward to that um but I also read a book called Our Heartbreaking Choices which is 48 different accounts of women who have had TFMRs oh wow and uh I found myself getting angry at the ones that were talking about their husbands just breaking down and sobbing and how you know they're saying oh he was worse than me for the first three weeks and things like that and I felt really angry and I was like why haven't I got that why isn't Reese crying every day why are these dads hurting more um but now I now I have you know, I've had the space to step back and look. I can see how much pain you're in. Your behaviour hasn't been that bad with food since I've known you. Um, so I can see how much you were suffering. But at the time, it, I just wanted it to look different. And yeah. that, was, that was hard. And I think, again, you're not really prepared for that. You just think you're both going to be really, really, really upset. And yeah. it's going to look the same. And you'll get over it at the same time yeah. or, or yeah. start to start to feel better at the same time. Yeah, and when two weeks down the line it looks like your fella's back to normal you're like what yeah okay and then then if you say like you okay you seem down and I'm like of course I'm down I've just had a baby that we didn't get to bring home and then like bite your head off and of course that's not your fault you're you're not in that space at that time and then it's a minefield there's no textbook for all this stuff though is there and and we're dealing with humans and we are all so so different Mm -hmm. And everything's different about us as well. It's not, you know, it's you're you're even if another couple had gone through the exact same experience as you, their experience would have been a hundred percent different because they are a hundred percent different. The way they dealt with it together, the way they dealt with it separately, they were, you know, everything would have been different. And I think that's what people really need to remember before they get their fucking judging hats on. Yeah. 
is that Judgerson. Yeah, everyone's different, and that's great. Yeah, it's a good thing. Oh my god, guys! It's been so good to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. We need to meet up IRL one day. Yeah, yeah. Go to Wales, Bex. Yeah, yeah. let's go to Wales. Come on down. But you need to take some loo roll though, because. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. it's been a treat I was a little bit nervous actually which is weird because I didn't expect to be at all but I think it, I was nervous about telling the story from start to finish because I actually haven't done that I don't think since yeah, it's, yeah. it's big isn't it to it is yeah. sit down and, and talk about all all that you've been through there's yeah. a lot of trauma there I thought you meant you were nervous being in the presence of uh, award winners Oh, dear. oh guys thank you so much for sharing your story with us it's been phenomenal to to listen to and I can't believe like what you've been through and yet you've both you know dealt with it so like maturely sounds like a really patronizing way to say it but do you know what I mean you, you've dealt okay. with it as like in a, an amazing way as a couple as well as individuals and yeah and I think it really helps being in tune with what's going on upstairs you know it's yeah it's really refreshing to hear you guys talking so openly about your mental health um i hope that we can get a few of our listeners to go over and listen to your podcast yeah so just g- give yourselves a quick plug now who are you where do we find you <laughs> okay uh yeah uh we're the heavy mental podcast and we have candid conversations about all things mental health um, it's primarily just Layla and I at the moment, but we do have guests on sometimes. Yeah, and you can find us on Instagram at We Are Heavy Men. No, yeah, we, we are. You said you were good changed it so many times. <laughs> we are Heavy Mental on, on Instagram, and we are on iTunes, Spotify, and Simplecast. And yeah, you, you can check us out on there. You have the most amazing. Um, you have the most amazing tagline. What is your tagline? Oh, fuck <laughs> <laughs> changes it every other day. What is it today? It's like yeah, <laughs> it's like something. Oh, I can't even remember it. Candid this is really chat about things that matter. Yes, candid <laughs> chatter about things that matter. I love it. That's wonderful. It has been a husband and wife trying to figure out life for a while as well. <laughs> because whenever we go on we do an instagram live afterwards i'm so tempted to say a little natter about things that matter and then i'm like no because that's totally ripping off i can't do it Uh, well thank you so much it's been a pleasure you guys thank you all right we'll take care and we'll catch up soon thank you so much everyone for tuning in and please please when you have a second rate us review us and share us and let's get this taboo smashed see you next week bye